It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He takes being cook to a whole new level. These students can't afford to feed themselves. Do the best you can for your child. And you look around for support and there's nothing there. Just get up and do our best today and that's all you can do. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning and a happy International Women's Day. One and all. Do you know, I wish I could tell you about that big giveaway, but because it's International Women's Day, Lorraine will launch that at 5.15 this evening. I wish I could tell you. It's an absolute belter. It's a belter of a giveaway. We've got for you next on Cork's 96 FM. All the deeds with... Uh, Lorraine at 5.15 today. 0818969696. Morning all. Yes, we are revisiting Onakura. We've been following this one, determined not to let it go since it landed on our desk last June or July when HSE said that they were closing down the Onakura site in Middleton. We stuck with it and we're not letting it go. Neither is Green Party TD and architect NASA Harrigan. And now that I've seen it, I can tell you that it's a choice to close down Onakura. The building is not reason enough. I'm telling you right now, we could do something with that building. Why was this decision made? What is going on? And what's going to happen to this extremely valuable site in the centre of Middleton? Now, talking to her and other TDs, other representatives later in the program. They were down there yesterday for a site visit and there were some meetings held and some of those meetings got a little bit heated. We'll find out more during the morning. Also talking to Sinn Féin's housing spokesperson, Ono Bryn, who was in Cork yesterday for a couple of meetings. I'll find out how he got on. And many, many ways to mark International Women's Day, including looking for more nominations for your inspirational Woman of 2022. The Cork's 96FM opinion line, inspirational woman of 2022. We'll take more nominations. We'll close them. I'd say we'll close them just before 11. And then we'll get people to vote between 11 and 12. We'll narrow it down to three. Although someone is running away with it. On the nominations at least. But we'll see where it goes. 0818 96 96 96. I want to talk though first this morning to... Olga, Olga, good morning to you. 
Good morning. Olga, <clears throat> you... Good, but <laughs> you are... Yeah, not too good, I know. You are Russian and you want to talk to me on behalf yes. of the Russian people. You believe the many, many, many Russian people who do not support this war. Yes, uh, I believe and I know this information and I want you to know a little bit uh, more uh, information from Russian side because unfortunately not so much people know that in Russia now because there are no free media now so you mm. can't see and hear what is in the site. So uh, can I can Please. I tell? Please yes, be okay. my guest. So, uh, many of Russians now feel the shame of uh, Putin's regime due in Ukraine. Putin, uh, Putin's regime for two, uh, 22 years sent people in a jail without reason, killed politicians and journalists and broke the elections in our country, made torture in the prisons, made the laws supporters and supported the dictatorship like Lukashenko, sent people in a jail uh, for your words. Mm -hmm. and so you say the word and go to jail. It's okay in Russia. Uh, we can also can't forget about Crimea and East Ukraine. The conflict starts uh, eight years before. And it is horrible because now it's... It was horrible all, all, all the time, but now it became worse. Yeah. It starts to ruin cities in Ukraine uh, with people inside. And I know that many Russians come in Ukrainian protest in Dublin. I live in Dublin now, so I know the situation only in Dublin. I haven't been in Cork, yeah. so like this. And well, we, we, had, you, we had some protests here in Cork, and indeed uh, the... There were a number yes, of Russian people who attended. And, and, and certainly, Olga, I think there's a huge understanding among listeners to this program, I would think, that, you know, this yeah. is not something that ordinary Russians living here in Cork or anywhere in Ireland support. Yes, yes. Uh, and many Russians come uh, to this protest, but they never raise the white, blue and red flag of uh, Putin's Russians, uh, of Putin Russian, because under this flag, army kill innocent people. So we can't raise this flag any way, it's any place. I understand Russians because they want to throw their red passports in the window and forget about Russia like a bad dream. I understand them. But we need to go to the next steps and try out our heads and help to stop this bloody war from Russia's side. Many people say to me that these wars are treasure of motherland, but I think it's only treasure of Putin's regime yeah. to save Russia and Ukraine both. Many Russians start to hesitate Putin's regime in Russia and outside Russia, and uh, 4,600 people was uh, sent in a jail in one day. This was a 6th of a March wow. in uh, Russia. Uh, so some of them will stay in the jail uh, for 15 days. Some of them will stay uh, in jail up to 10 years. Yeah. 
for going in the street without doing nothing. So, so you can, but, in fact, be jailed for up to 15 years in Russia right now for protesting uh, against the war. Yes, uh, you can. Uh, I will. I will tell you. If you go on the street, you can go to the jail up to ten years. If you say in social media this, that situation in Ukraine is actually war, you can go to the jail from fifteen to twelve years for a prison because this is a fake news, you know. So you should. Uh, and I understand that most of Russians, most of them, are not so brave to go on the street. I understand. They are not so brave, brave to uh, write about it. I understand. Because they have families, they can't go to jail. There are heroes. There are no heroes. There are ordinary people. And what ordinary people can do for Russia right now? They can speak with uh, their friends and their relatives by phone, by meeting like this, and tell three times to to another people that we should st- start uh, stop this war immediately. We should stop this war, and if every Russian will do it, so there are no penalty for if you speak with another uh, with another man. So you can speak, and maybe. Uh, and maybe this war will reach part of the army, part of the military, and they understand that nobody wants them to continue it. Yes. And maybe it can change the situation. I know I that, think- Olga, I know that many, many Russians and Ukrainians that live here are friends. <laughs> and that you, you view the Ukrainian people as heroes. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, we, uh, I, I want to say to Ukrainian people a few words also. You are my heroes because your friends and families now under Russian bombs, but you are ready to speak with Russian opposition forces to reach the peace and freedom. And you can be sure that all millions uh, in Russia will pay for your pain for years. At least all of our nation will be have big challenge to pay reparations for your destroyed co- uh, cities with our destroyed economics. Uh, every man and woman in Russia will take part in it. You can be sure of it. But you will... But now we should force an another point. We need to reach a peace such soon as possible. Yes. We should to be uh, friends if we want to reach a peace. Yeah. At any options that yeah. we need. Yeah. And uh, if it possible, I want to speak uh, to all people from Europe. Uh, to t- uh, to say thank you for you, because many opposition re- Republicans of Russia live in Europe and coordinate the protest in Russia from here, because here is a safe place. Here we can speak and help Russia, because without you, all oppositions in Russia will be fully in a jail, like famous oppositions Alexei Navalny, and in a grave like another leader, Boris Nemtsov. Yeah. 
So I want to say thank you for you for that. You're, you're very welcome and we're happy to give you the space and you're very courageous to do this because we know that so many Russian people feel this way right now. So many of the Russian people living here in Ireland feel this way by now, but they're, they're afraid to go public. Uh, but thank you for, for speaking to me this morning, uh, Olga. And, thank you. And, and uh, I wish... I, I, I hope that... And I would, be, I would have been very fearful in the last while that... Russian children in Irish schools and and things like that that they would be targeted. I hope it's not yeah, happening. Yeah, uh, I I have uh, many groups with Russian people, and I know the information that some uh, children's really bullied in a school, and uh, I have my own TikTok and Instagram, and I receive every day messages from um, people from Ireland and from people from Ukraine that uh, Russians should die all of you like this. I, I received this message, but I understand why. Because they can't understand what is in Russia. So they think that that government made that people want. Because in Ireland and in, in other free places, there is correct but for russia it's another situation yeah. uh, and i understand why they don't understand at first yeah. but i hope with more information they will understand better and they start to be cruel i understand <laughs> I, I understand i understand Olga, thank you very much for speaking with us on the opinion line this morning. And thanks to another Olga, Olga Fitzgerald, for helping us to get in touch with Olga Popova, who is Dublin-based. But speaking out, like I think many Russians living here would like to, but they are afraid to. 0818 96 96 96. I believe Olga says this call, but what is the general public feeling in Russia? What are they seeing at home? those without access to outside media. And access to outside media is becoming very difficult in Russia. Of course, I have a list. It's there somewhere. I'll find it. The list of companies, global companies now, who've pulled out of Russia and are not doing business in Russia. So that's a very valid point. Very point. Very valid point. 0818 96 96 96. Do you remember yesterday morning we were talking about Lilia, who was trying to cross the border from Ukraine into Poland. We were chatting with her friend uh, PJ, um, Premislav, otherwise known as PJ, and we were hoping to catch up with Lilia once she got over the border. Well, she has done, and she's waiting to talk to me, as far as I know. Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Let's get down, let's get down to business. We're back to the music. The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. 
Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Quark's 96FM. Yeah, I found that list there during the break. The companies that have pulled back from Russia uh, to try to isolate Russia. And, you know, we don't know whether it'll work or not. We've no idea, really, whether it'll work, but all these companies have pulled back. Ford, for example, General Motors, who make Opel. Toyota will stop making cars in Russia. Volkswagen will stop making cars in Russia and suspend exports to their market. Boeing is to suspend support for all Russian airlines. Airbus, the same. Apple, Facebook, Twitter, Netflix, all taking action against Russia. Spotify, YouTube, Intel, Microsoft, Roku. Roku is a company that makes hardware that allows you to stream. For example, if you have a a Now stick or a Now box, it's Roku who make that. They're suspending operations. BP, Exxon, Shell, all suspending operations and changing operations in, in Russia. MasterCard, Visa, American Express, all limiting what can be done there. Uh, MasterCards and Visa, they won't work there now. Disney, suspending its operation and suspending release of its movies. The Batman movie was pulled from Russian cinemas. It's just a small thing, but pulled at the weekend. Warner Media, H&M has closed all its shops in Russia. IKEA, Zara, Puma, and the big, huge shipping company, Maersk. They've all pulled their operations. And more besides. And more besides. Whether it'll work, we don't know. Because one thing we can't do in this part of the world anymore is we can't read RT, Russia Today. That's been blocked by the EU, which is an unusual thing, because even at the depths of the the Second World War, you could still read newspapers with other views in it. But the RT Russia Today website can't get at it now as part of the whole EU block on Russia. Right, she's there, is she? Now, yesterday we were told she was in the process of trying to get over the border into Poland. Uh, We're chatting with her friend, uh, PJ, and now Lilia is there. Lilia, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Good. PJ. And you, you are safe and well in, in Poland. Yes, yes. We, we, uh, we crossed the border and uh, we, we are now at the hotel. So I could talk. Good. I can talk. How long did it take you to get over the border? Oh, that was 25 hours. Um, so, um, when, um, the first, uh, where we called by uh, our relatives from, uh, the United States, uh, and they told, uh, that Russia was jumping the bombs on the major cities in Ukraine, uh, the sirenas began, uh, to howl at once, and we ran the shelter, because, uh, four, 400 kilometers later, a bomb fell on the other big city. Uh, so uh, as soon as we uh, all, so uh, we immediately went to the mountains with our kids 
uh, and all family. Uh, so um, they closed the border for the men uh, from the 18 to 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we stayed in the mountains. But every day, saboteurs were found all over Ukraine and in the mountains areas as well. Yeah. And um, uh, since we, since the beginning of the war, um, uh, uh, I saw once uh, in my life, so um, where, where the war began, um, uh, every day my uh, PJ called yeah. me and brought me, uh, and so we, we met, uh, we met uh, each other uh, just one, um, and he uh, he every day called me and uh, told that he had apartment in the Poland, and uh, uh, which is empty. Uh, it yeah. is very difficult decision, you know. I was talking he, to him yesterday, and yeah. he was t- telling me about how you you only he, you haven't seen each other for many years, but yeah. the minute. Yes. that he heard about all the trouble and the war breaking out. He wanted to reach out to you to see could he help you. That's a great friend to yes. have, Lilia. Yes, and but that was, you know, a very hard decision to mm. leave the husband alone. Yes, who have you left behind, Lilia? Um, father, my... Um, my husband and uh, so we uh, I, I i could bring uh, my two kids and my mother uh, in the poland mm. and you brought your dog so, i think did and you? yes yes and the dog <laughs> uh, and all our relatives are uh, are in lviv uh, you know that is um, a little safe here uh, because it's near the poland but um, you know yeah. Uh, every day there were uh, there became uh, a lot of people from another cities, and they don't have uh, any um, any house. I know. And yeah. where are your husband and your father now? I mean, are they safe where they are? Uh, no. no? Uh, so yes, they are safe. Uh, my father is in Lviv, and my husband. Uh, also in the mountains uh, with uh, our friends, uh, and we we were uh, working there okay. because we are working uh, in the IT company, yes. and that is very um, very important to to have a job today yeah. because we we should uh, support the, uh, the our soldiers, you know, and our yeah. economy. Yeah. Yeah. You work in IT, and and so does your husband, does he? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. and and he's not, he hasn't left his job to to go fighting or anything. He's 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 continuing. Uh, to, no. Uh, no, uh, no, because um, so we have uh, in uh, Lviv uh, some organization that uh, called IT Cluster, yes. and uh, they. Uh, they give us uh, uh, some uh, form uh, that. Um, a Ukrainian um, uh, government told that uh, when uh, the guys working on the IT, so we should uh, give them um, okay. the, the list so of the guys, and uh, they uh, they wouldn't came uh, to army. 
yeah. because they should support the economy. Because the government said that the IT skills are needed and, and they, those yes. people are needed so they don't need to join the army, which I guess is a relief to, to you indeed that your husband is yes. working. And, and Lviv, we know, is still relatively safe, which is great. Now, your friend PJ wants you to come to Cork. I mean, you work in IT. There's loads yes. of work here in IT. You, your friend would like you to come to Cork. Are you interested in doing that? Uh, so I don't know because uh, you know that uh, I didn't know that uh, the this um, this way will be hard like this, and you know my emotion uh, very mm, I don't know very high emotions because uh, so we when we uh, we we planned this uh, way. Uh, so um, I think that that will be a little journey for us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we came back to maybe two weeks or five weeks. I don't know. Yeah. And today I realized that I'm. I, I don't know if I, know. I came back and when I came back. Yeah, they're, they're like there so, are there are companies yeah. here. In, in Cork, mm-hmm. and I'm sure PJ has told you that there are the companies here who yeah. would love to get a hold of the skills that you have, and, and particularly at this at this time. Mm-hmm. How are the children? Have you are they aware of what's happening? Are they old enough to talk to 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 understand? Um, uh, yes, we're talking about this, and uh, they um, they understand. They uh, didn't would they wouldn't have a life. Uh, anymore like before the war mm-hmm. um so um you know uh i spoke with them and uh, they um, they understand that very many children are uh, today are not safety yes. and uh, that is uh, the hardest to talk about this but uh, because we don't have um, any uh, learning process, because our schools are uh, whole of people uh, who came with other cities and they stay uh, in our schools and they live that, uh, in this uh, schools, you know? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. Oh. Well, I can hear the relief and... At least you're safe now and you've got some time to sit and to plan what you want to do. Um, if you come to Cork, if you were to come mm-hmm. to Cork, there are great companies here like Smart Tech or Trend who who would be really interested in the kind of skills that you mm-hmm. have. Uh, and I know that you'd have probably know no difficulty getting a very good job here in Cork if you wanted to come for a while and stay mm-hmm. away from the war. But then there's also the concern missing your husband and missing your dad and all of those things. Yeah. So you've got some decisions to make, but at least now you're safe. Yes, it's, yeah. it's very, it's, yes. Sir. Did it's you see, have very you very seen important. PJ yet? Uh, no. Uh, so we stay in the hotel now and then uh, after our conversation we will uh, go to uh, Poznan. Sure. And uh, uh, and meet meet with him. Okay. So I think uh, it's a way 
for for four or six hours okay. to get on. Okay. Well, you know what? You've got one great great friend there, and and I, yeah. I know you look forward to that reunion after a number of years. Lilia, I wish you and your family, uh, both the ones that are with you and the ones that are behind left behind, I wish you safety, which is all we can wish anybody in these times. And uh, thank you for speaking with me on the opinion line. That's Lilia. Ovechuk, or Ovchuk, I hope is, I'm pronouncing her name correctly, who has just gotten over the border in the last day or two. She's sitting comfortably now, safe in a hotel in Poland. She's got a great friend who lives here in Cork, going to meet her later in the day. She's got wonderful IT skills. She may come to Cork for a few months. She may not. She's got some decisions to make. 0818 96 96 96. I love this. I love this. On a morning when the cats weren't going out, I was making my way onto Maryborough Hill about 20 past seven. This came in by email. Strong wind and heavy rain. There was a car heading down Maryborough Hill and stopped. Initially, I thought the driver was looking for directions. But no, he offered to drive me to my final destination due to the weather. Very kind of him. Consideration for others still exists. That's nice. That's nice. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. We've just given away thousands of euro on the Corks ninety six FM cash cow. And now, our next big giveaway is coming. Listen to Lorraine on the Big Drive Home for all the details today. International Women's Day at 5.15pm. Only on Cork's 96FM. We started this yesterday. Quite a good response to it. Only keep it going for another while. Uh, today is International Women's Day, March the 8th. And uh, we're marking it in a particular way on the opinion line. It's just a bit of fun. We've no lavish award ceremony or anything planned, but we would like you to choose who will be our inspirational woman of 2022. Just someone that you respect, someone that you look up to, someone that you consider worthy of the title of the Cork's 96 of M Opinion Line Inspirational Woman of 2022. It could be somebody well-known. It could be somebody we've never heard of. Just someone that you think is worthy of that title from someone who's alive, someone who's longer with us, someone... You choose. You choose. Uh, and it's entirely your call. How do you do it? You send us a text or a WhatsApp to 083-396-9696 and give us the name of who you want to nominate and do it in the next hour. It's now 20 to 10. Try to do it before 20 to 11. And then at 11 o'clock, we'll tell you three. That's if we have a short list, because someone is running away with it. But anyway, if we get a short list together, we'll give it to you at 11 o'clock and see how you vote at 083 396 96 96. And we'll name the Cork's 96 of M Opinion Line Inspirational Woman of 2022. Now, we were talking to Sinead O'Reilly back in October. When she was training, and she's now a fully-fledged professional firefighter. And today is all about breaking the bias. That's the um, 
that is sort of the theme of International Women's Day for 2022, uh, breaking the bias. And of course, firefighting was traditionally an all-male job. There's not many women in it. Sinead, why did you? We asked, we asked you this, this at the time. Congratulations on coming through the training and being a professional firefighter now. But what Thank was you. it that made you want to do it? Good morning to you. Um, I guess the job itself always appealed to me. Um, you know, the values that come with it. Uh, teamwork and you know helping the community kind of uh, values I searched for within a career and then I guess it's not your standard nine-to-five job mm. which um which also kind of appealed to me as well you know the it's a bit of an adrenaline side to it too so um yeah was there a firefighting background in the family no um no there wasn't there wasn't um yeah no I come from uh, my dad's a builder and my mom's a, a teacher. So, you know, there's there's no fire, firefighting background, but I think it just, yeah, just came into my mind that it was something that I, you know, I wanted to do. How tough was the training? Um, <clears throat> it was difficult, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There was definitely aspects that maybe I might have found difficult um, compared to the, the, the guys, you know, uh, there was a lot of strength aspects and stuff, but um, they were always super helpful and very supportive. And, you know, I put my head down and just kind of made my way through it. Yeah. 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 Th- there would be a lot of the training. If you look at videos, a lot of the training require an awful lot of physical strength. And, but then you, you, you're, you're a fairly tough individual yourself, I guess, if you're going to go into that line of work. Um. On one side, yeah, I would think so. You know, I'm I'm quite physically fit and it's something I've always been into, but I'm also very emotional. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, there's that side of it too, that, you know, um, I don't think you have to be this kind of tough, macho person to go in. I think um, the emotional aspect that I bring to the job actually, you know, has helped in another side of it. Yeah, yeah. The, the firefighter, and we've described them many times, this way, they're the ones that run in when the rest of us are are running out. Um, have you have you had that happen yet? Have you have you been on a big a big shout yet, where you've been running in when uh, others are running out? Imagine the first um, time. In terms of first, yeah, a big shout. I, I mean, I, I imagine the first time you do that would be a little bit scary. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, on our first shift, there was those kind of nerves, you know, to just get that first call out. But when you do go out, um, you know, you've got your whole team with you and behind you and everyone has done the training that it, it's almost, um, I guess, I wouldn't say natural, but um, there is a whole, you know, um, detail laid out, laid out in protocol. Yeah. So you know what you're following and... Um, I don't know, no one ever puts themselves in huge harm's way. You know, you, you wouldn't take a big, a big risk if there's yeah. not a big reward, you know. Um, so safety is first in yeah. that sense. Yeah, I've often talked with Vince, Victor Shine. I'm sure you know Victor. Victor, Victor yeah. has often said our first priority is, is keep our people safe while they're doing their job. Exactly, yeah. And I think they really emphasise that that us, to us in training so that you're looking out for the firefighter next to you um, whenever you are on these calls as well. Yeah, yeah. Would you encourage other 
young women who are looking at a career, you know, at that point in their life where they're wondering, what will I do with myself? Would you encourage them again to get involved? Definitely, yeah. Um, I think it, it is a great job. And of course, at the start, you know, you're always trying to prove yourself being the only girl that, you know, you could do whatever the guys can do. But I think after starting shift now, I've realized that um, each gender probably brings their own strengths to the job. Yeah. And that in one in one side that I might need help in, there's a guy asking for help in another side that I can assist in. And it's using those strengths to help each other and help, I guess, the fire brigade become a better service. Um, and yeah. You you'll, know, be, you'll bring, you'll bring strengths to the front line that were, maybe weren't there before. Um, well, they had a, they had a female in the brigade for the past twenty five years, so I'm sure she was bringing them too. But even to just get it, um, th- those kind of aspects more, um, I guess, yeah. involved in the job. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we wish you good luck and success with your career, Sinead. Congratulations on getting through the, the, Thank you. the training. And stay safe out there as you keep us safe. Sinead O'Reilly, uh, Cork firefighter. Yeah, I forgot, of course, she's the, not the first female. We had one before, but she's the newest female firefighter. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Later in the morning, I'll be talking to the youngest bus driver, the youngest female bus driver in the country. She's also here, uh, based in Cork, with with Bus Aaron. That's that's later on. And let me get your let me get your nominations in for the inspirational woman of of twenty twenty two. While we're at it, I might ask this next man actually who his would be. Although I'd have an idea, I'd have an idea. Ona Bryn of Sinn Fein was in Cork yesterday um, for a couple of meetings. His Sinn Féin housing spokesman a couple of meetings including one with Penny Dinners Owen good morning good morning to you how are you keeping today very well sir tell me about your visit to Cork and the people you met and and what they told you Sure. So the, the constituency visit was organised by my two colleagues, Thomas Gould and Donahoe Lira. Um, and it was really a, an opportunity for me to meet a range of organisations who are dealing with dis- different aspects of the housing crisis in Cork City. So we did about seven meetings from the local authority to the chamber, to Penny Dinners, to Cork Simon, to the Travellers Group, to Catu representing renters uh, uh, and a few others. And I suppose what it confirmed to me is 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 Cork is experiencing the housing crisis as badly, if not worse, uh, than all of the other major cities. But also that there are some very specific dynamics affecting uh, Cork City, uh, uh, which needs not only urgent government attention, but also I think all of us in the Dáil, whether it's Cork TDs or those of us with a, a, a national portfolio, to be highlighting the specific needs of the city at this point in time. Pro- probably the most obvious one is is the chronic lack of new construction and particularly of, of an appropriate level of social and affordable homes to rent or buy. That was mm. the, the single biggest message I was getting from pretty much everybody I met yesterday. Now, the council would say um, that they're doing quite an amount of construction, and indeed, if you drive around the city, on, and I don't know whether you did or not, you will find council-backed projects in many parts of the city. Now, there should be more of them, absolutely, but they're there. It's not like they're doing nothing. Absolutely, and, and in fact, I, I took a walking tour uh, with Anish uh, uh, to, to look at aspects of the city, particularly dereliction, but I also saw some of those new-built projects. 
and to be fair to Cork City Council, they have met all of the social and affordable housing targets that they have been given by central government over the last five years. The problem is those targets are too low and that's not a criticism of the council. Uh, it's a criticism of government for, for failing to be more uh, ambitious. Uh, but I also walked around uh, areas of intense dereliction. And again, while Cork City Council uh, uh, thankfully are progressing some very significant compulsory purchase orders in the in the city centre, in the conversations I had with officials there, and, and it's a conversation I've had with officials in other cities, the problem is the CPO process takes far too long uh, and there isn't sufficient funding to allow local authorities to acquire more sites. Mm. So my, my, my concern isn't for the, the good work of the council uh, in terms of social housing uh, and affordable housing. Uh, it's, uh, I suppose, a, a lack of action government. And two other issues uh, were very striking yesterday. The first is, while we do have more social housing, albeit not enough, there's virtually no new traveller-specific accommodation. Uh, and Cork has come in for some very strong criticism from human rights organisations and traveller representatives groups for, for lack of action there. Uh, and even with the affordable housing that Cork City Council has progressed, they can't actually allocate those houses yet because central government still hasn't produced the regulations for the eligibility criteria, despite a working group being up for over two years. So, uh, you know, the, the, the value of the trip and me meeting all of the different organisations is to get to hear firsthand what's happening on the ground, different people's views and experiences. Mm. Uh, and again, one of the messages, you know, Cork Simon really urged me to bring back to the doll is that the homelessness crisis isn't just a Dublin phenomenon. Obviously, the levels of homelessness in Dublin are, are the highest in the country. But in fact, your your current levels of homelessness in, in Cork City are higher than they have ever been in the last four years. There's, uh, uh, you know, 450 uh, or so uh, uh, single people uh, and adults and children in emergency accommodation. Mm. Uh, and that's that, you know. You also have a situation on, and the new bills, and I'm interested to see that you, you're, you're impressed with the City Council's new bills, even though you believe they're there should be more. That's a national government policy thing and all of that. But in the, on this programme in the last number of weeks, I, I spoke to four or five different women who, who have a place to live, but the conditions are appalling. Or, or they will be without a place to live in the summertime because their landlord has said to them, well, I'm selling up and I need to get, I'm getting out of the market, so you need to leave. But that the council won't even entertain an application from them until they're standing there with their hands hanging to them and their children crying. Now, can Sinn Féin, would Sinn Féin do anything? Because that is the thing. If, if I have a house and my, my landlord says to me, well, well, in June, I'm selling up, so you need to go. Well, fine. The council won't deal with me until June. Now, that's a policy change someone needs to make. Well, in fact, we've, we've already progressed that. So last year I introduced a piece of legislation that passed second stage in the Dáil, uh, which was the Family Homeless Prevention Bill, which would place a legal obligation on the local authorities uh, 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 90 days before any uh, adult or, or family becomes homeless uh, uh, to put in place a, a homeless prevention plan. What we've been also calling for is, is the discretionary rate of the uh, housing assistance payments, or what's known as HAP. Uh, which is 20% uh, extra in Cork, should be raised to the 50% that is currently in Dublin. Um, uh, there is no reason why people mm. in Cork can't have access to the same rate of payment. And that's something we've raised directly with the Minister. Mm. Now, I'll be talking a little bit later about, about landlords, and we know that there's a huge number of them leaving the market. Now, traditionally, there's a view that landlords are the bad guy. 
But if they're leaving the market, that's causing more problems than it's than it's solving. So how do we address that? We we need landlords. If they're leaving the market, they're causing more problems. Absolutely. And let's be very clear. Uh, uh, there is nothing wrong with a landlord who provides a good service and is fully compliant with the law for making a reasonable return on their investment. Uh, and that's something we need in our housing system. Our problem at the minute is you have a lot of landlords who purchase properties, say at the height of the Celtic Tiger, then got trapped in negative equity. Uh, and now that house prices have raised to such an extent, they're leaving the market. We also had a lot of people who never wanted to be landlords, what we call the accidentals, who got trapped in negative equity in a property that was too small and ended up renting it out. They're also selling and selling in very significant numbers. In fact, I, I released figures to the uh, Irish Times yesterday, which highlights that the level of notices to quit, particularly for sale of property, uh, have increased dramatically over the course of last year. Mm. And that's set to continue. There's a number of actions we've been calling for government to take on this. Uh, the first is... Local authorities should be able to buy properties where there is a HAP or RAS tenant in situ and where that tenant has a notice to quit. Currently, local authorities are prohibited from doing that. They're being encouraged only to purchase vacant properties. Yeah. But they'll also only get it at the baseline needs. market value, which means the landlord the, the landlord won't take that offer because the, the, well, the, fact, the, the, many, the council will be the lowest are, bidder. You know? No, no. Many, many landlords I'm talking to, particularly those that are good landlords that have long-term relationships with their tenants, they actually don't want to evict, but they have to sell. Uh, and I've had a number of cases, even in my own constituency, where landlords have approached the council uh, looking to sell because they want the family with their children to remain in the property, but the council isn't allowed purchase. So the first thing is we do need that. The second thing is we do need to remember that landlords have received very significant subsidies from the state in many instances. Landlords who bought uh, buy-to-let properties during the Celtic Tiger got significant tax relief. And also landlords get mortgage interest relief at 100%. Yeah. So those landlords that availed of, of the Section 23 tax reliefs to become buy-to-let landlords, uh, where they're selling, uh, they should have to sell the property with the tenant in situ. Yeah. And that would increase the likelihood of another landlord buying. So there are actions government can take. But yeah. crucially, it comes down, PJ, to the first yeah. point we made, which is there isn't enough supply of social and affordable housing. And until we tackle that, unfortunately, this problem is going to continue. All right. OK, good to speak with you again. Uh, wherever you are, it's busy. Uh, but uh, have a good day. That's Owen O'Brien. Um, oh, yeah, you have, it's International Women's Day, by the way. I meant to ask you before I let you go. Uh, who would be, if you could nominate one, who would be your inspirational woman of 2022? Well, the, the, the list is very long. I, I have to say Vicky Phelan would probably be close to the top of the list for the very inspiring work that she's done uh, advocating uh, not only on behalf of herself, but all women who've been failed by the uh, the, the health system and the government. Uh, but there's a, a growing number of really brilliant women in, in, in politics, in arts, in science, in sports. Uh, as well as in campaign advocacy. So there's a, there's a huge number to choose from. Uh, and it's important that we celebrate all of those women, uh, as well as the women closest to us in our lives, our mothers and our sisters and our partners today. All right, good to speak with you. Oh, and we were wondering, Mary Lou for Taoiseach was what we were thinking, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to let the voters decide on that one, but um, uh, we'd be pretty hopeful about that one as well. <laughs> all right, we'll talk again. Owen Brin, housing spokesman uh, for Sinn Féin. There's a nomination that uh, we've seen a couple come in and as I see from the newspaper, she's very, very unwell at the moment. The poor woman. She, she has told uh, Charlie Bird that she won't be able to climb Crowpatrick 
with him uh, on, his, on his climb with Charlie on the 2nd of April. Uh, poor Vicky, uh, she really is, really is goosed at the moment. Um, and we hope that, that whatever treatment that she's availing of, uh, that it, it gets her more time because that's all she can hope for at the moment is more time. Another interesting nominee for the more inspirational woman, Vicky Phelan. Thanks, Ona Bryn. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Just a message for our firefighter Sinead O'Reilly from a grateful family on High Street who said, Well done, Sinead. Thanks for coming to our house last week for a CO2 alarm great to see you joining a team so many dream of and that as we said is from a grateful family on High Street 0818969696 as I said the inspirational women ideas are coming in we'll do up a list and we'll get you to vote before the end of the programme but Chloe there's someone you'd like to have on that list good morning good morning how are you good good it's your mum is it Yes, my mom Hazel. Tell me about her. She is amazing. She's just one of the most inspirational women I can think of. I, I literally can't find words. She's just amazing. Because personally, I suffer from anxiety. And through everything that I've gone through, she's been with me. She's just been there. She's like my rock and I couldn't do it without her. That's I really love her. Very good. Very, very generous words. Um. Yeah, tell me a little bit about her. But, but... Oh God, where do I begin? <laughs> she loves cats. Her favorite thing in the world is cats. Okay, we'll be friends so, there. So, her what's this? Right? <laughs> I I love cats. We could be friends. We could be good friends. We could. We could. But um, as a little surprise for her, we're getting her a new cat. I see. So this is probably her first time hearing about it, but if she's listening, surprise, Mom, you're getting a new cat. <laughs> That's her present for International Women's Day. Her, her little present, yeah, sure. She's going to love it, so it'll be amazing. All right, Chloe, listen, great talking to you. That's uh, Chloe nominating her mom, uh, Hazel Walsh, who's getting a new cat for International Women's Day. That's nice. That's nice. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There's someone you'd like to nominate or tell us about that you feel should be the Cork's ninety six of M opinion line inspirational woman of twenty twenty two. Let us know at oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Just look at the list of what's coming in. There's a lot of people looking uh, to nominate Katrina Toomey. One or two Vicky Feelings have come in there after Ono Brin suggested it. There were one or two there already. Uh, my Ursula O'Mahony from Ballinacurra is a fan, fantastic support for local historical events, says Eugene. I met Ursula at the time of the, the Bransfield Monument, didn't I, Eugene, down in, in Ballinacurra? Uh, yeah, there's loads, loads. Just into Carol Quinn, Nurse of the Year 2021. She works in the emergency department at uh, CUH. 
Sarah Norbert, working in cancer research. Marianne Walsh, now there's somebody that I know. Um, Marianne is in Headway, a wonderful, wonderful person. And uh, she gets a nomination. And Toomey of the North Prez Adult Education. Funny that this came in yesterday. I'm going to read it again because I read a newspaper article about this woman yesterday. Tafadwa Manduanza, known as Taffy. She's Ireland's first female neurosurgeon. There's lots of them coming in. I will draw up a list uh, and we'll tell you after the 11 o'clock news. 0818 96 96 96. Let's go back though to housing and in particular to landlords. I was talking to Ono Brin of Sinn Féin there before the news, talking about the people and the groups that he met around Cork yesterday. And I brought up the subject with him of landlords because the number of landlords leaving the system in the last few months has been enormous and there's a few reasons why they're pulling out. Some of them are just selling up because they get a price for the property and others just are getting too taxed too much on on the rent and there's a number of reasons why they're leaving and we need according to Rachel, anyway Rachel Sarah Murphy, we need an incentive to keep them there. Rachel of course Free the Way Property is the company isn't it Rachel? Good morning. Hi PJ, it is. It's very worrying. The current situation is very worrying because at the end of last year it was over nearly a thousand a thousand private landlords had left or accidental landlords had left the sector. And when you look at the housing crisis that we're in right now, we can't afford to lose them at all, but there's no incentive for them to stay. But everything that I'm selling, bar one property, everything that I've sold in the past few months has all been rental properties, the landlords getting out of, out of the sector. And you can't blame them in many ways because... Um, so much money goes on tax. You've got 20 to 40% of the rental income. That's after you've paid the RTB, you've registered it with the Residential Tenancy Board, mm. the local property tax, which I think we'll all agree is a complete and utter joke and that everybody can gain very easily and are. And then you have your USC, you have at 2 to 10%, you have um, PRSI has to be paid as well. Like there's no incentive. And then on top of that, you could be unlucky enough to have a tenant in there who thrashes the place. Now, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Who thrashes the place and you're ending up paying 10000 to get the house looking right again so you can mm. put it back on the rental market. Or somebody rent, doesn't rent, pay Rents rent. are extremely high, Rachel. Let's, let's call it a spade oh, a spade. Yes. Rents are exceptionally Church. high. About what percentage of that, do, like if, if, if we take 2000 and it's not uncommon, yeah. 2000 for rent, or we'll say a thousand for rent. What yeah. amount of that does the landlord actually put in their pocket? Well, it depends on their circumstances, but they could be taking home as little as 30 to 30%. They could be taking home as little as 30%, 30 to 40% into their pockets. Now, you've got to, oh, they've also got to keep that building up to scratch. And now we're being asked to retrofit our houses and that is going to put the value of the property up which is also going to put the local property tax up there's absolutely no incentive for people who are already living on the breadline because all of these taxes are usually hitting the lower to middle income whereas if we had David McWilliams who I follow the economist he spoke about the site valued tax have you ever heard of that PJ? Tell, tell us more I've site heard what valued David tax. says yeah 
Yeah, the site value tax, I think it's brilliant. Um, Denmark is using it, Australia is using it, loads of countries using it. It means that you put a value on the site. So it's not the build, it's the actual site. So all these beautiful derelict buildings, the gorgeous Georgian buildings that are left uh, go to rack and ruin because you have um, you have landlords who are, or the property owners, leaving them there and they're speculating, they're land hoarding. But if you were to put, if you, if you were to tax those those landlords because that site in the center of town is going to get a better rental income isn't it because it's it's availing of mm. all of um all the the all of the amenities are there in its doorsteps so it it makes sense that if they're availing of all of this all of the amenities that the taxpayer is paying for oh. so you tax it has nothing to do with the build and that makes sense to yeah. me because that's that's going after Income. There's an argument. Well, it's it's common enough when you discuss housing, Rachel, and you discuss a shortage of housing, and you discuss HAP and all these other things. Generally, the landlord is seen as the bad guy. Is that an unfair thing? An unfair concept? Oh, I think I absolutely think so, and I think we should be thanking the private landlord for staying in a sector that that offers them absolutely nothing but a headache. Um, but equally, I also think tenants can sometimes get a raw deal. And, you know, it, it very much is that relationship is sacred. If for me as a property manager, it's sacred because if it's fractured, it can all go to pot. And if you end up, you know, getting on the wrong side of a tenant and that tenant isn't then going to pay rent, you could be no. you, know, you can send in a termination of contract to the RTB. I mean, this is not me talking as an auctioneer. This is me talking just straight to you. You can send in the termination of contract to the RTB, but you'll be waiting six months, PJ. There's a massive backlog there. Yeah. So you're six months without rent. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. It, as well as you don't know what's happening to your property because a lot of um, tenancies took advantage of COVID a little bit too much and wouldn't allow any property inspections. So there's there's so much going on, but I think the the core the core thing here is that the government this is this has been happening uh, for years. Uh, this is not new that that landlords are leaving the sector. It's just that it's happening more rapidly because it's a phenomenal time to sell now. Prices are gone up thirty percent mm, more. Mm, mm. It's crazy, Karen. And you can, I I've sold properties that I haven't even put on daft before they've they've just been gone straight away. But the government has to come up with an incentive to keep the private landlord in the sector. Because if they don't, we are royally up the, you know, total up the swanny. Yeah, because we're not building yeah. public housing and we're not building new housing fast enough. So mm-hmm. that we're, we're They're not going up. Yeah. 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 So what are we going to do? Where are we going to house them? There's so many families that are being made home, uh, homeless. I have on my, uh, on my list at the moment, I have one family who are going to be homeless on the 16th of this month if we can't find them a place. That's a family with three children, PJ, on the streets. Where are they going to go? It's that serious. The private landlord has to be protective and there has to be an incentive for them to stay in the sector now. There also needs to be some incentive to cut rent. And I think you'll be looking at tax. Yeah. The tax. You say well, the we, tax is too yeah. high. I oh totally, but I but I agree with you. We've talked about this before, and I know you've talked about it on the radio. It is ludicrous that the mortgage that a couple could get or a, a, a person could get is less than the rent that they're paying, but they can't get the deposit together because they're paying so much rent. Mm. It just makes no sense. So the the rents have gone through the roof, PJ. But then again, uh, you know, 
But if you're there's, paying, there's, if you're paying as much there. tax as you said, if out of a thousand euro, your average landlord is lucky to pocket three or four hundred at the end of the day. Yeah. So, lucky. so where's the mm-hmm. incentive? How are you going to bring them down? Like the landlord might leave. Kevin says the landlord might leave the market, but the property is is sold. The fact is, we've not built half of what's needed for the population and the yeah. way it's growing. We're not building enough. Is that that is the truth? But we're also, but we're also not not getting these beautiful sites in the centre of town redeveloped. Like it's sort of use it or lose it to these landlords who are sitting on these. These are these are landlords sitting on these properties, speculating, waiting for the right price to come along, letting them go derelict. They're bringing the whole road down, bringing in unsocial behaviour. But there's no incentive for them to do anything to their properties. So if we if we just got rid of the local property tax and stopped taxing the lower and the middle incomes to an inch of their lives, and instead went for these landlords who have these sites that are taking advantage of the taxpayers' money and put a a higher tax on those, that makes sense. The site value tax makes sense. The local property tax is a joke. So you're you're sitting on a big derelict building. You're sitting on a beautiful old building that has a tree coming out the top of it for sheer neglect. We'll tax you until you bleed, until you get rid of it. Yeah, you you have to either redevelop the site or use it or lose it. And if you can't redevelop it, you sell it, and there has to the government, and then that can be that can re, um, put into apartments. We need more housing in the centre of, of the cities anyway, but it needs to be used. They're just wasted spaces, wasted spaces. When I have families who are heading to the streets within weeks, it's that serious. I mean, Katrina Toomey down in Cork Penny Dinners will tell you it's mm. that serious. So, but the derelict buildings need to be tackled and I think the site value tax is the fairest way to do it. All right, Rachel, thank you. Rachel, Sarah Murphy, Free the Way Property. Uh, There there seems to be sense in what she says. Would you blame any landlord, small-time landlord, for getting out now with that amount of tax? For every grand that the landlord takes in rent, they're lucky to get three or four hundred quid out of it. Now, and you still have to maintain the property. God, it's nearly as bad as the petrol. Kevin was pointing out this morning that his local garage now is 199.9. So two euro for the petrol and diesel is coming. Sorry, Kev. I had to put petrol in my little car yesterday down in Glanmire. And it was 201 in Grandin's in Glanmire. 201 for me little petrol in my little car. So we're gone there. 0818. 96, 96, 96. Why was I in Glanmire? I was in Glanmire because I went down to St. Stephen's Hospital. And why did I go down to St. Stephen's Hospital? I went down to St. Stephen's Hospital to catch up the latest on the Ona Cora story. This one is not going away. There's only 11 people left. There was 19, I think, there when we started talking about this last summer when the HSE announced that they were closing down Owen Akura. There's now 11 left. And yesterday, a delegation from the Joint Committee on Health, the Erectus Joint Committee on Health, came to Cork, where they met senior HSE officials. They did a tour of Owen Akura, the centre itself. And then they met with management and staff of HSE, some of the very senior staff involved in the Onokura uh, operation, 
And then they went to see St. Stephen's Hospital, which is where HSE believes some of the Onakura residents could be placed going forward. And afterwards, I met them. I met Anessa Harrigan, who is a Green Party TD, but she's also an architect. And I met, also I met Senator Francis Black and Deputy Pat Buckley. And I met them last evening in Sarsfield's court after that series of meetings. Let you hear that next. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. So, Nasser Harrigan, when we spoke a few months ago about this, you hadn't had a chance to view it, not with your politician's hat on, but your architect's hat on. What conclusion have you reached having walked around Onakura today? We can rebuild it. I, I have to say it was so worth coming down I've been you know it's not the same to do Google Maps or to look at drawings it's a very valuable site I'll start with that first of all that site is very valuable it's well serviced it's close to everything there's a dentist there's the doctors there's the pharmacy there's super value there's spa like if you asked me and, and obviously I'm not an expert in mental health I actually do happen to be an expert in um, healthcare design uh, if you asked me what kind of a site should you have for people who, you know, need 24-hour residential, highly serviced care? Where where would you put that? That's Onakura. That's that site. The HSE insists it is beyond repair in its present form. I completely disagree. So, first of all, they are citing the, the smaller rooms and issues around asbestos as a reason to close this site. Now, we all know in Ireland that the HSE and healthcare buildings in general, we have a poor building stock and if you applied those standards to most of our building stock, to most of our healthcare facilities, you'd actually be closing a lot of them down. Not just Onakura, you'd be closing down hundreds of beds around the country. So first of all, that doesn't stack up. Second of all, if anyone knows the Onakura site, as I now do, having come down here, it's, um, it's a square site with four, four bays, four wings. Now, there's a theory in healthcare design called um, horizontal evacuation, and it means that, let's say there's a fire or something, you can move people around the building, so you don't have to take them out of the building. There's, that building is low occupancy now. There's 11 people in there. It's a huge building. You could literally rebuild it wing by wing and move people around that building. That would be possible. Even taking the asbestos into account? Listen, you could retrofit it and remove out all the, the, all the asbestos. You could also l- physically rebuild every single wing of that building from scratch if you so chose and that that was the, um, that was the cost-benefit way of doing it. And- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. And you know what? If, if they don't have the expertise down here, I, I'm actually going to offer the HSE. I'm going to write to them tomorrow. I'm going to offer my Easter week. Um, I used to be paid very highly to do this. I'm going to offer my Easter week to go through with them. How, you would, how would you achieve that? How do you build wing by wing a phase construction where you redo a building? Because it is possible. And now that I've seen it, I can tell you that it's a choice to close down Owen Akura. The building is not reason enough. The, the service is working. The service is incredible. The people are so happy there. You've no idea. I had a man today... Tell, tell me that he had been there for a few years but that Middleton was his home that it was his homeland and then he burst into tears mm. to take that man out of Middleton is not good enough and I'm telling you right now we could do something with that building You mentioned the word retrofit it is a buzzword at the moment your own party is in government they want us all to retrofit our homes and our buildings you could actually make this a retrofit project for the HSE? There's literally no building that you can't retrofit but in this case you're talking about a single story building that's done in the 1970s. It's as close to Lego as you can get and you can retrofit those buildings. If you look at projects in Dublin where they've had you know kind of um, social housing uh, blocks which are five or six stories, if they can retrofit those buildings they can certainly retrofit this very well laid out single story building of Owen Akura. It is possible I'm telling you it's possible, absolutely it is. I think things got a little bit heated today in the course of the meetings did they? I think that the people uh, you know the public representatives like myself and, and Senator Black and um, uh, Deputy Pat Buckley um, Deputy David Staunton um, and Deputy Colin Burke we all came down and I think there's a real frustration there's a real opacity I don't understand why this decision was made it doesn't stack up it's not in line with the vision for change it's not in line with sharing the vision it's not meaningful in terms of the services you're going to leave East Cork with absolutely no 24 hour beds of this nature and very little respite care for people who have mental health difficulties and that doesn't make sense so what is really going on here? That is the question, isn't it? That is the question, because after months now of mental health committee sessions, health committee sessions, 
I can't tell you how many PQs that myself and Councillor Liam Quaid have put forward. Um, letters to the Public Accounts Committee. I still don't understand why was this decision made? What is going on? And what's going to happen to this extremely valuable site in the centre of Middleton? Can I bring in uh, Senator Francis Black, who was also here today? We're here in this car park, it's in Stephen's Hospital. You've walked around a ward which HSE says is the alternative. Mm-hmm. Isn't it the same? It's not the same. And for us, myself and NASA meeting the families today and the residents who all say they want to stay in Middleton, in Onakura, I think for me, to be honest with you, it's a really powerful model because those, fa- those residents are really integrated into Middleton. They go down to their local shoe shop, they go down to the local supermarket, they go to the dentist, they go to the doctor. You know, last night, one of the, one of the residents told me that he went to the local folk club and had a lovely night. It was the first time since COVID restrictions are lifted you know and that's powerful it's not like you know what you imagine kind of a residential to be, to, to be it's a home it's actually a home for those residents it's like a family you know all the nurses who are in there are like their family all the other residents are all their families they're so happy there and I think that's what myself and NASA and Pat and Colin Burke and, 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 and David Staunton we saw that today with our own eyes and we met the families who were really really anxious and there was cross-party agreement it must be pointed out here we stand at least 15 minutes walk on a dark country road from the nearest shop. There's no comparison. No, there's no comparison to here. And, and I just feel for the residents of Onakura, they're so happy to be there. And I think again, and I have to just push that point forward, it's the integration with the local community and the welcome that they get from that community. And they've been there, some of them have been there 15 years. So my hope um, to be honest with you PJ is that this decision is reversed and maybe with NASA's ideas around the retrofit you know I, I feel hopeful that things might change You sang a little song for them I did sing a song well they asked me to sing a song one man said will you sing a song Francis and I did I had to you could not refuse and they were all delighted I think they were anyway I don't know I hope they were <laughs> Sinn Féin TD Pat Buckley's also here with me this evening Pat the HSE insists there is no other way. What's the lessons of today for you and your colleagues here? It's very simple, really, PJ. Um, we have a model of excellency in Middleton. The system is working, and we've said it in the meeting there, I can't understand why you're trying to fix something that's not broken, that we should be replicating it. Those residents in the Onakura Centre, right, that's their home. Very different to a ward or a room. It's their home. It didn't feel like a hospital setting or anything. It's a community setting. The HSC are talking about community-led and integration within the community. We've had it for years in Middleton. Mm. Even when I was a young fellow growing up, that was known as the home. Mm. And people could come in now freely. I mean, no, no, the people inside in Middleton in the Onokara Centre love it. They've mm. said it's their home. They're forever home. Uh, I just, it just begs belief that the HSC... You know, we'll try and fix something, as I said, that is not broken. The system is working. And the biggest fear, PJ, is those respite beds, long-term and mm. short-term, once they're gone, they're gone. And that's an awful big fear. Because the way the HSC are spinning this, that, oh, it's 11 people left. And so once them 11 people are gone, there's nobody else going to need that help. Mm. That's not true. We need to keep those services in Onakura. And lastly, Deputy Hurricane here says that she can sit down now and she can actually draw up a plan to retrofit it using her architectural skills. That's going to be put to the HSC as well. And, and absolutely, and as I said, look, 
we'll work as a team because it's about one thing preserving those services in the Onacora Centre and I want to thank everybody that has been involved in it so far because I said it's people power for the people that's the most important thing these are real human beings and we heard all their stories today but we heard so much happiness inside in that centre and to take that away from them now we'll actually kill them yeah, I met uh, Pat Buckley and Francis Black and Nasser Harrigan down in the grounds of uh, St. Stephen's yesterday evening. They'd been meeting with a very high-powered delegation from the HSE as well as meeting the families and the relatives in Onakura. They met, for example, Michael Fitzgerald, the chief officer for HSE. They met Kevin Morrison, who's the assistant head of mental health services. They met with a number of other people. What we have done this morning is we've re- reached out ourselves to HSE and asked them for a statement based on what, in particular, Nessa Hurrigan is saying, that there is absolutely no good architectural reason not to just fix what's wrong in, or- in Onakura. Now, Maureen, we've spoke be- spoken many times before on the programme about Onakura since, since day one. You have a relative in there for quite a number of years. You attended yesterday's meetings. How did you yes. find them? Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks so much. Um, well, it was a very, very emotional meeting um, because we were there just to tell our stories of our relatives. And I think one of the things that people don't realise is that, well, life is difficult for everyone, but when life is difficult for a person with long-term mental health issues, and then all their security is taken away in a very, very brutal fashion. And we're here in March, the closure having been announced in June, mm. and we're still no wiser as to where my brother is going to live. And just to get a little bit more personal and share some of the experiences we've had in COVID times, um, our eldest brother lost his life to COVID at the age of 59 in very London sorry to hear that, in January 2021 and of course we were locked down so we couldn't attend the funeral and we couldn't see my brother for several months and it was the staff that were there to talk to him through the early phases of the grief and so in June 2021 can you imagine that I get this bombshell that the centre that has saved my second brother's life is about to be shut down And I can only describe the behaviour of the officials that we've dealt with from the HSE as utterly lacking in any humanity and utterly brutal. Because we're still in deep grief for my eldest brother. And there am I with my second brother after everything he's been through in life. And the HSE are treating him in this way. Your brother was one of the people who I was so privileged to be welcomed to Onokura last autumn. Your brother was one of the people I spoke to. He's still there. How is he? Well, you know, I mean, he has a lot of support from us, obviously. And he's being supported by the staff as well. They're still absolutely great. And it's very hard to know, in a sense, because he has an appearance of being very happy-go-lucky. But one of the things that before this announcement, he had decided he was going to give up smoking. And the next meeting that I had with him after the announcement, he was changed smoking. Mm. So the level of stress, the level of anguish, 
Um, obviously, there are things that have happened that people have been moved out very suddenly without other residents knowing. Mm. Um, You're breaking up a family down there. That's been said more than once. Oh, totally. More, more can you imagine? Can you imagine? The sibling dies in very, very tragic circumstances in London. And the first people to console you are the staff. Yeah. And it's the staff are absolutely heroic. But yeah. they treat them, they treat all the residents as if they were their own family. They don't just do their job and they don't just do their job well. They actually do love them. Yeah. And you see it from all the residents, how they thrive. And I've said this before, that the last 10 or 11 years that he's been there, they have been the happiest of his life. I'm paraphrasing Nasa Harrigan's words now, but what she seems to be saying very clearly, Maureen, is in terms of architecture, and she has particular expertise in healthcare architecture, Mm -hmm. in terms of architecture, there is no good reason to close this building. That's right. Yes, that's right. What do you you say? And she's prepared to write this up yeah. The HSE in a report. What 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 do you say to that? Well, our elected representatives have got a moral and I believe a legal duty to step in and overturn the decision. And I'm calling on Minister Buckley to do the right thing now. To stop making excuses and to stop sending us back to the HSE. I mean there's a principle that you cannot be a judge in your own cause. So you can't decide the outcome mm. of a decision which you have made. So are you asking the Minister for Health, and in particular the Minister responsible for mental health, to say to the HSE, actually, guys, no, you're not selling it? Yes, that's what has to happen. And do those powers exist? It, we are demanding it. Do those powers exist? Yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. The HSE is publicly accountable. If, if you attended any of the Arctis meetings or saw them played afterwards, you might be under the illusion that they're not, but they are. And they're accountable to our elected representatives. And our elected representatives have to do the right thing now and give us closure on this matter. Mm. Keep the centre open. Do the necessary uh, remedial work. Keep the services as well, which is absolutely essential, because in the last meeting that we had... I was informed that if the people were moved out, that the services would be reduced. And they started talking about a high support hostel. I mean, how dare they talk about people who need lifelong residential care as residing in a hostel? I pay a high level of tax and I would be happy to pay more, but that tax is for a purpose. And it's to support people who cannot work yeah, and or cannot, you know, have got a disability of one type or another that impedes them living the life that I live, for example. So just come back to, to, to what we said there a while ago, and I just want to make it very clear. And you are, you are, you represent one resident, but, but I think you speak for all the families here with me this morning on the opinion line, based on what NASA Harrigan has said and is prepared to write up to the HSE. Yes. You are now demanding yes. of relevant ministers yes. to step in and yes. forbid the closure. Yes. And I mean, Taoiseach Michal Martin has 
a moral obligation to get involved here. It's absolutely outrageous what we've been put through over the last nine months. And it has to stop. We've had no response, really, from the HSE. And even my brother, in the last meeting that we had, oh, that was supposed to, um, you know, showcase this new place that they had uh, purchased. But, of course, the purchase of Cargilline has been referred to the Public Accounts Committee because it seems there are a number of interests involved that are inappropriate. Mm. Well, well, we'll see what the committee makes of that in the fullness of time, I guess. Yes, um, but it is there. Um, but there is no justification for the closure. And so why would the closure go ahead? Mm. They'll stop the closure. All right. Maureen, thank you very much. Please convey my best wishes to your brother, who's a, a, lov- a lovely, lovely man, as indeed all the residents I met back in the autumn time. So that's where we are with Onakura. Uh, we said when we got this last summer, when Liam Quaid, the Green Party councillor, brought it to our attention, we said we wouldn't let it go, and we're not going to. Uh, we now have the view of a professionally trained architect who also happens to be a Green Party TD. There is no good reason in architecture to close this down. We have families demanding now that the minister step in, the relevant minister, step in and forbid the closure of Onakura. We're not letting this one go. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. The Magnetic Fields have announced the Cork show as part of their Autumn World Tour coming to Cypress Avenue on Thursday, September 8th. Tickets are on sale Friday at 10am from the Old Oak and CypressAvenue.ie Access all areas. To celebrate their 40th anniversary, Aslan performed two shows at the Opera House as part of a massive national tour taking place on the 8th and 9th of April. Tickets are on sale now for the shows from the Opera House box office or CorkOperaHouse.ie Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Nominations for inspirational women. We're taking for another couple of minutes and then we'll get you voting in the last hour. But staying with uh, Women's Day issues, I want to talk about Femi Festo. I'm joined by Alison Tracy and Brian, who are the co-chairs of Femi Festo. Good morning to you both, Alison and Brian. Hello, thank you for having us on. Now, tell me first of all, I'll go to you first, Alison. Tell me about Femi Festo. What is it and why has have you launched it? Um, well, I'd first say um, that really it's Brian who um, started this and I'm more tagged along later. But um, the core goal of the Femifesto is to engage in both active citizenship in raising awareness in women's issues that aren't talked about a lot or aren't very addressed publicly. And the fact that we want to bring these issues to the attention of our government. We're a student-led um, Council or organization, and we're just hoping as citizens to uplift the current voices of citizens on issues that affect us. Brian, we said that Feminifesto will highlight failings within policy 
that dis- disadvantage women. Uh, what what changes are needed to address those failings? What are those particular failings? Do you think? Well, there are myriad of failings. Um, they really stretch across all the realm of the law. But I suppose the ones we're kind of honing in on are the ones we're already starting, and we just want to make sure are passed quickly. So, for instance, there's a huge burden placed on um all people assigned female at birth on the cost of period products. So many um period products are not available in public bathrooms. We we as men would never think, oh, I must pack my toilet roll on the way out to work. But so often uh, women and people assigned female at birth are forced to ask for period products. They're forced to pay over 100 euros a year for period products. That's a very clear disadvantage. And we would love to see the health and safety guidelines amended to make sure that toilet paper and period products are kind of seen on, on the same level mm. and for um, revenue to grant that as a tax deductible expense. So that wouldn't be something that is put on small businesses. It would be providing for all people, especially school children. Recently, there was an Oireachtas report that said over, over a thousand children who were studied, over half of them were actually using alternatives or not using any sanitary products at all, at least once because of cost related issues. I think that's a real state failure. Mm. But more than that, there's a few issues on health as well we'd like to look into. Yeah. Have you approached any particular government represent, representatives about it? Well, actually, um, we started off very small. We started off with just a petition. And immediately we got um, contacted by several government people. We, we got contacted by the Fine Gael spokesperson for um, health care, uh, or not health care, equality, um, Mary Siri Kearney. She's a senator. And we said, you know, we're, we haven't fully drafted what we want to do yet. We're just getting up the ideas. And we are very much um, an independent group. We're a nonpartisan group. So now that we've launched our ideas, we said, this is what we want to see. Now we can engage with politicians and see, this is what the citizens want. How can you help us provide that? So this is what this um, information campaign is about now, getting in contact with TDs. Alison, I think and, you, you want people to engage all levels mm-hmm. of, of a citizen to engage with Femifesto. So how can they do that, Alison? Um, so there's multiple ways. Um, today we just um, launched our website that includes all of our articles under the headings femicide, domestic abuse, sex violence, inequality, and sexism within our culture. And that can be found at um, the femifestoireland.com. Um, you can also email us at um, thefemifesto at gmail.com where if you have any suggestions for how we can further progress this as this um, campaign will be an annual one. So the issues we've addressed this year aren't all the women's issues under the sun. It's just a kind of starting point and a foundation to build upon. So we'd love to get any inside collaboration from people who identify with the values that we're trying to promote um, in making people aware and conscious of the fact that these issues are taking place and need to be addressed. In terms of violence, say, the, the, the whole tragedy of Ashley Murphy earlier in the year seems to have, anyway, brought about some kind of a sea change in thinking. It's, it's very important, isn't it, that we don't let that rest? Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I would say is that never in a million years would I have thought we'd have such a national conversation about women's rights with such vigour, with such passion. And it's such a tragedy that that had to come from a, a really un, a really brutal attack on a woman. It, we do not need another murder to bring real change. We can't rely on that sort of pain to push forward. We need to be able to say, this is what we want. This is what we need to do. 
And something like that can never happen again. We have to address the fundamental flaws that come from mostly men and their their sexist belief that there is something about women that gives them the right to touch them, to harm them, Mm. to disrespect their rights. We have to come at that in a fundamental way. And I think we have a few ideas about how to really engage that from an early level. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, we want to make sure consent is a really conceptualized idea in primary schools. We want to make sure people understand what other people's boundaries are. Then in secondary school, we want to make sure they have a comprehensive sex education. So when people are engaging in consent in a more practical way, they know what boundaries look like. They know what supports they have if someone is not protecting their boundaries. And furthermore, even in the wider community, we want to make sure the sporting community, which have been so prominent in the surrounding areas, they're always very visible online. They're always very visible in the community. We want to make sure all of those sporting leaders are taking an active bystander training once a year so that they feel competent, they mm. feel capable of standing up to sexism that they see in their community. So we don't see this kind of perpetual misogyny that really just adds up to a culture where something as tragic as the killing of Ashing Murphy can happen again. We want to make sure everybody feels empowered to stop this at the, the way they are best able to. Can I ask you both, before we finish, your views on International Women's Day? I ask because I read some different articles over the weekend in the run-up in various newspapers that some people are now looking at it as having become too commercialised and too jingoistic, as it were. Alison, you, you first. What do you think of the concept? Has, has International Women's Day lost its impact or become a bit too say hallmark um i think that's quite a big issue in the sense that activism has become trendy in a sense as well these days and there's quite performative activism um, which is not what we hope to promote either we want real substantive change but in the sense that no matter which way women's issues are being discussed is the fact they are being discussed that's very important and that they're being brought to the attention of people and i prefer um no matter what way it is being highlighted or addressed, that it is being brought to the attention of people who represent us and who can now acknowledge that this is a real issue. Um, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with the idea that companies may profit off of um, uh, such an important highlighting impactful campaign, um, but in the sense that these things need to be addressed and they need to be known to the public, um, Mm. that puts me more at ease. Brian, has it become a little bit hallmarky? Um, I think a lot of activism has become kind of grounded in virtue signaling. You don't so much need to do something good. You just need to come across like you're doing something good to get the rewards of that. Um, I think the Femifesto is a response to that. It's a response to this kind of populism you might get from social media where you hear an issue and you say, this needs to be done right away. But then there's another issue and you jump on that and you almost forget about the other issues that you cared about. We're trying to ground it in reality and say, this is what we want to fight for. This is what we want you to deliver. And even if you're going to be making these grand speeches, how are you going to deliver on these issues specifically? We have to bring it back down. So even if it is commercial, even if it is uh, something a politician will do to commercialize themselves, build a brand of a feminist without the substantive action of being a feminist, that is often hard work. We want to make sure if you want to have the rewards of feminism, you need to have the hard work to protect it and to further it. Where can people read or find out more about Femifesto? Alison, you finally. Um, if you can go to our website, um, Femifesto, um, the Femifesto Island.com, 
You can also go to our Instagram, The Femifesto, or again, we would love to get people's input um, from the website um, at our email, thefemifesto at gmail.com. Okay, okay. Thank you both, Alison Tracy and Brian, the co-chairs of Femifesto. Another angle at looking at International Women's Day. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696966966966966666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666
great to be from Cork. Oh, 100%. Like, I found it very overwhelming. You know, I, I couldn't watch all of it at times, especially when I was seeing young children and, you know, just, uh, you know, a young child crying because they just said goodbye to their dad and they don't know will they see him again or because, like, you know, their life has just changed completely. Everything is upheaval. And they're, like, going, to, please God, those children that survive. But they're going to have that trauma. Yeah. You know, and the trauma is going to be very hard for them going forward. They're going to need a lot of support. Mm. You all, know, all, all we can do as ordinary people watching it from over here, Cora, is we can give what we can, and by God, we've given it. Oh, we have, and you know, I always say it, it's very easy to be kind, PJ. It's not hard to be kind, and it's a great feeling. And the people of Cork that donated to just our collection alone, like it's going on all over, and it's fantastic to see. Like, I see things there from up the country, like everybody is doing it, and it's just when people come together like that, I just think there's something very special. Yeah. Now, you also wanted to nom- nominate someone. We- we'll have our shortlist in a little while, and there's lots of mams and aunties and grannies and sisters and daughters and cousins on it. But you've got someone you want to put on our list. I do. I am. Angel Lane is her name. She's my daughter. Okay. Tell um, me about Angel. Angel, she's just an inspirational child. She's very, very, um, again, kindness. You know, and it's just her nature is so nice. Like she had, she didn't have the easiest, um, I suppose, path from a young age onwards. Yes. Um, and that just came due to me being sick. Okay. And I had to reach out and ask for support. Something I didn't want to do. Something that crippled me as a parent at the time. Um, but to see where she's after coming from that. You know, and everything that happened and, you know, again, upheaval and things that shouldn't really happen in life. But sometimes we have no control, you know. I do. Sometimes we have to do the right thing by the people we love. But that can also cause a lot of pain as well. But this this girl has turned into a woman who she's just selfless in what she does. You know, from small little things up to the big things. Like she's got herself into college. She's on a good path. She's working. Like her her career goal is to help other people, you know, give the give back to them what her experience has been, but even better, yeah. you know. And then, like even the small things, she, she has a, a friend that's sick at the moment, you know. She'll drive and up to them and just randomly appear with a cup of coffee or a mug of hot chocolate and a pajamas, not because they want it, but because she knows it will make them feel better. Yeah. You know, this is her nature. Like she's just really, really kind. Um, You're a proud mammy. I'm a very proud mum. She's just, you know, we we hear so much about that age group. Yeah. And we hear like there's, especially like on media, there can be a lot of negativity as well. And I know there's good and bad and everything, but she genuinely like has a heart of pure gold. She really does. I'm not saying it because she's my child. I'm saying it because that's of her nature and that's who she is. And anyone that knows her, she's a great friend, like, you know, to her friends as well. All right. Listen, Cora, and you know what? You've been a great friend to many people in the last week helping to gather stuff for Katrina. And particular, particular thanks to you and your friends that did that. And to Frank, the mystery taxi driver who wouldn't take a penny after shipping you all around the place. And they're heading off this afternoon in the five vans off to Ukraine and you know can I just throw something in here for a second 
I'm reading a lot about Red Cross and we're very much supporting Red Cross with our own collection, uh, 96fm.ie forward slash aid to help send money out through the Red Cross for distribution uh, to people on the ground in Ukraine. We absolutely support that and there's around 30,000 collected in the last week or so between all of the various wireless group radio stations up and down the country. We want to try and get it to 40,000, so please keep donating whatever you can afford. 96fm.ie forward slash aid. I just get a little bit upset when I see people commenting, particularly on social media, about cash versus stuff. And cash is very important. Cash is king. And getting cash to, to the Red Cross is fantastic. But people are buying stuff. Buying nappies and they're buying food and they're buying products. They're buying little packets of plasters, for God's sake. And they're putting them into shopping trolleys. And There was a little bit of cynicism, I thought, about that on, on social media over the last year. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And if you can give money to cash to the Red Cross at 96mm.ie forward slash aid, delighted that you can. Delighted that you can. But if all you can do is buy a packet of plasters and put them into a shopping trolley to go to Ukraine, then thank you too. 0818 96 96 96. On Onakura, Sean says he has regained confidence in the media after hearing the Onakura segment. Well, thank you for that. Sean, we're not we're not leaving that one go. I'd like to give my support to the Onakura campaign. This is exactly what we need in mental health care with small communities and companionship. If the government destroys this miracle in progress, then all their words about mental health are for nothing. On Femifesto, it maddens me that period products aren't free. Lovely two people. That was uh, the two people we'd had on about Femifesto before eleven. That was uh, that was Brian and Alison. I'm going to give you our list of inspirational women. We have it narrowed down to three. We've had hundreds of nominations: mammies and aunties, and and sisters, and cousins, and teachers, and nurses, and some well-known people. And we've narrowed it down to three. And we want you to vote. Uh, so that we can name our inspirational person, our inspirational woman, just before 12. I'll give you that shortlist next. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Greenwich Cafe, formerly known as Idaho, uh, really hit the headlines in the last couple of days with wonderful artwork. Uh, stand with Ukraine and paint just a mural painted in the colours of the Ukrainian flag. The place looks marvellous. Uh, and the new gaffer down at Greenwich is Dermot O'Sullivan. Dermot, good morning. 
Uh, morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Place looks marvellous. Congratulations on, on reopening and, and, and the, the new start. And thank you for the bickies, which you sent us at the weekend. <laughs> uh, they were delicious. Thanks very much. But, but the, the, the artwork is magnificent. Yeah, it looks it looks brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin did a fantastic job out there. Um, so we finished that at the weekend. Yeah, and it, it's getting um, you know it's getting a lot of uh, attention and, and people are taking photos and stuff and so forth. So yeah, it was it was a nice uh, idea. You know, I think we we came up with something nice uh, to kind of just do on, on the wall there at the side. So yeah, yeah. yeah this is Kevin O'Brien. Did, did, yeah, did the yeah. art. Yeah, it's, it really. So, so Kevin now would have would have done a good few uh, pieces of art as well around the city, kind of by the Metropole uh, there and so forth. And he has done a few things for us here as well in the cafe. So yeah, yeah. yeah. How's it been so far down there? Um, uh, it's been pretty good. Yeah, great support from from the local people in Cork. Yeah, uh, it's been very good. Uh, we've had a busy couple of weeks, and uh, I think people are quite excited. You know, uh, we opened at a good time when the restrictions were lifted, and, yeah. and it's going it's going pretty well. Yeah, mm, yeah. I guess you're looking forward to the yeah. little warmer bit of spring weather that's hopefully on the way within the next few weeks, and there's a lovely atmosphere um, downtown yeah. when that happens. There is, yeah. Even now on on Saturdays when the sun is out now. We got one or two Saturdays of sun. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, there was a good buzz there. Yeah, we're looking forward to the summer. I think Caroline Street is looking looking really well. It's brilliant. Uh, they just yeah, they just finished the roadworks uh, outside to put up the new. It's going to be pedestrianised completely there now, so we have that finished. And the street itself is looking great. You know, uh, it was great. Like I said, Greenwich came about. The name of it came about because it's very much a, a neighbourhood feel and a village feel. So yeah. um, and that's what's kind of what's after happening. I suppose really with the outside furniture and the light and so forth so it's looking great so we're looking forward to the summer okay. and uh, hopefully we'll have our, our wine licence and so forth so yeah Okay Okay. and at the moment you're, you really are standing up for the cause of the people of Ukraine and marking it with the great artwork by, by Kevin O'Brien that's Dermot O'Sullivan proprietor of Greenwich formerly Idaho uh, I wandered past it last the place looks brilliant it looks really and they do a serious cup of coffee lads a serious cup of coffee. 0818 Here's someone on the phone. I'm going to read this out for what it's worth. Uh, I suggest that the president of Ukraine put on one of the helmets Simon Coveney was offering and go down to the front line and take the same risks he's encouraging his citizens to take. It's better to stay in Ukraine than to run away, but he's not exactly taking the same risks, is he? Pushing mothers with children and sick old men into risk. I don't know if you missed the photographs, caller, of the very early days of the war where President Zelensky was down there in a flak jacket and a helmet on the front line. I certainly saw plenty of those photos, but thank you for your for your comment. 0818 96 96 96. Right, we've drawn it up out of the dozens, and I just want to let me go through some of them, some of the other ones that came in, because not everybody can make our short list, that's the nature of a short list uh, Mary Lynch, my nan she's been at my rock for 30 years, the great Catherine Mahan Buckley gets a nod in there, uh, Trish Sheil who we've spoken to, director of the Eating Disorder Centre Cork, and has been on this programme, she's retired now, Carol Rice, hi Carol nominates her mom. Noreen, there's a serious woman. There's a serious woman. Uh, thanks very much, Carol. Uh, Tara Sweeney, who runs Shola Quidu, 
Katrina Toomey's nominated in there. Uh, actually, Bernard O'Hare was on to nominate Leon Cavan as mum, Christine, uh, because when he passed away, one of her first concerns was that others would know, and his anniversary is coming up very, very soon. So thanks to Bernard for nominating Christine. Ursula O'Mahony from Ballinacurra read that earlier on. What a world leader Patricia would be. There's loads. Just into Carol Quinn. There's a few in for her. Sarah Norbert, Vicky Whelan, Vicky Phelan, uh, many, many more. So we've we've whittled it down to a short, and so many mammies and aunties and cousins that you know what, no one's ever heard of them, but they are so important to the people who nominated them. So we're down to three, and I want you to vote. I think we're putting it on Twitter, and we're definitely putting it on the text of WhatsApp. For the text of WhatsApp, just give me the name, the first name. You don't even need the, the surname, the first name. And we'll pick our inspirational woman. So our top three are Jacinta Carol Quinn, who's the nurse at CUH in the emergency department. Katrina Toomey, who needs no introduction at all. And Vicky Phelan, who again needs no introduction at all at this stage. So of those three, who would you nominate as the Cork's 96FM Inspirational Woman of 2022. The opinion line, Inspirational Woman of 2022. Just text their name, first name. Text either Jacinta or Katrina or Vicky to 083-396-9696. To text or WhatsApp, Jacinta, Katrina or Vicky. Just the first name is all we need to 083-396-9696 by text or WhatsApp. I think we've done it on Twitter as well. Jacinta, Katrina or Vicky. And we'll name one of them at about 5 to 12 as the Cork's 96 FM opinion line inspirational woman of 2022. It's very tight, actually. It is quite tight. I thought we'd have a straight... It's very tight between these three. Jacinta, Carol Quinn, who's a nurse in the emergency department at CUH, Katrina Toomey, who you know, and Vicky Phelan, who you know. Okay? Jacinta, Katrina, or Vicky. The first name to 083. 396 96 96. They want us to know. Yeah, the the collection point at the North Cathedral, we're checking to see if you can still bring stuff. But the vans are leaving at 2 o'clock. Yeah, the collection's closed now. Thanks for that. So there's, if, no doubt there are many other collections being taken around the place, but that particular collection is closed and the vans are leaving from Kennedy Key at two o'clock, but they will do another collection at another time. Not too distant future. Okay, so there will be another another convoy. So the five vans are leaving 2 o'clock today from Kennedy Key. 0818 96 96 96. On this International Women's Day the theme is Break the Bias. And we talked earlier to Sinead O'Reilly who's a female firefighter uh, doing a job that is normally done by men and another job that is normally, though not always, there's a few of them around, done by men is bus driving. You don't see too many men, or too many women rather, driving buses. Well, one who does is Mary Cronin. And Mary is a driver with Bus Erin. 
and uh, for International Women's Day, we caught up for a wee chat. Mary, first of all, a happy International Women's Day to you. The, the youngest female bus driver in Bosera, and, and you think or you thought for a while the youngest driver in the whole company. Yeah, I, I still think I'm the youngest in Ireland overall. I'm waiting to be proven wrong on that one. Um, but I was I was the youngest in Bus Aaron, but um, uh, somebody came in at, uh, at just slightly younger than me and uh, knocked me off my top spot. <laughs> so why bus driving, Mary? Um, well, my parents own a bus company, so I was around buses all my life as a child. Oh, you're one of them Cronins, are you? No, no, everybody everybody thinks that, but no, we own O'Callaghan's Coaches ah, right. out in Coachford. Um, we're just a, a local company. My granddad owned it, Johnny O'Callaghan. A I lot see. of people know him. Uh, my mother, Breed O'Callaghan, and my father, Brian Cronin. That's where the Cronin comes in. Uh, they're running it now. And um, buses have been in my life since I was born. My uncle owns Ballancolly Coaches um, in in Ballancolic, Don Callaghan. So we're we're always bus mad people. <laughs> <laughs> How long does it take to learn? Um the first time I sat into a bus I was very nervous. Even though I was in buses all the time, actually going out on the road and, and doing it with my license legally, <laughs> um I was very nervous. Um but after the first day I, I kind of took to it and I, I got a little bit better. I am I did one lesson um in Ballancolic with Billy Corkery and um I did my test then. Now I was driving with my dad yeah. um learning and stuff, but um yeah. So it I I think it took me about five months um just to get everything sorted and things like that um before I did my test and yeah. passed, thankfully. And, and, yeah. And driving around the city stop to stop, are you always on the same route or do you move around? Do you have particular routes? It just I could be I could be put anywhere. So I'm I'm a spare driver in Bus Aaron which means that I kind of cover the work that um, other people, if they're out sick and things like that, um, it's kind of passed down to, to me. So I could be going here, there and everywhere. I don't have a specific route. Right. Um, I do a lot of the city, but um, last summer I branched out and I did um, Galway, Tralee, Waterford, uh, Clonmel. I haven't gone to Dublin yet, but um, that's in the cards now possibly for this summer. So we'll yeah. see. You enjoy the work, obviously. I do. I, I love it. Um, I mean, I was planning on going teaching. Um, I was going to go back to college and do a master's in education. But during the, the lockdown in 2020, I, I had no job and I had a big summer plans of traveling um, that went out the window. So I just um, went into Boss Aaron and was hoping they'd take me on. And I, I haven't looked back since I, I really do enjoy it in there. Um, it's it's good fun. I suppose family and friends weren't remotely surprised, were they? No, no, not really. Uh, as soon as I got the, as soon as I turned twenty one, well, actually, when I turned seventeen and got my care license, it wasn't good enough. I was like, buses next. <laughs> so when I was always on about it, so when I turned twenty one and got my license, people were just buzzing to actually go out in the bus with me they just uh, they couldn't wait to get a spin in the bus while I was driving it so mm. what's the reaction from from passengers to a, a, such a young woman up driving the bus 
um, they are shocked. Um, a lot of the time, um, I guess that I look like a child, um, <laughs> or I look like a teenager. I, if you met me in person, you wouldn't think I look that young. But yeah. when I'm sat behind the wheel of such a big vehicle. I'm I'm like a child driving around the city and people people would be stopping on the footpath and kind of looking back being like who who gave that girl a bus you know <laughs> um I was uh, mistaken uh, the bus air in uniform looks quite like a uniform from the north side of the city so I was actually mistaken for a child um at at the bus stop he he said uh, this this man said something to me and I said oh uh, I'll be driving the bus and he said you will yeah and then when I actually got in he nearly fell off the, the seat at the bus stop he was like you're driving my bus I said yeah <laughs> so yeah people still and I'm there I'm in bus air nearly two years now and people are still they still have the same reaction and it's it's just really funny I enjoy that that kind of interaction with people <laughs> If other people are thinking of taking it up as a career yeah what, what advice would you give them? Um, I'd say just go for it. Um, a lot of I found that a lot of women would be very hesitant that oh I could never drive a bus. All it takes is a bit of practice and just a bit of confidence that yes you can do it. Um, I think that almost anybody with a bit of practice and a bit of determination anybody could drive a bus really. Okay, well I take the bus the odd time. I I haven't seen you, but I'll be looking yeah. out for you. <laughs> Yeah, oh, you can always look out for me. I'll always be waving. Most people <laughs> that that stare at me in the bus, I give them a little wave to know that I've seen them as well. And uh, a lot of people would be delighted with that. So I'll always wave. <laughs> uh, well, if you're ever on the 220 or the 216, give me a wave. Mary, I will, of course. Mary, thanks very much. <laughs> thanks so much and happy International Women's Day. That's Mary Cronin. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Two things to do. First of all, remember that the first names you're voting for, Jacinta, Katrina or Vicky, it's 11.37. We'll close it at 11.50. All right. It's a quick vote. Jacinta Carol Quinn is a nurse in the emergency department in CUH. She's getting quite a bit of support. Katrina Toomey, Vicky Phelan, you both know those names. And I can tell you, like I said, it is tight. It is very tight. So we'll close it at Tenta. That's in about 12 minutes' time. I will give you uh, a winner. Jacinta, Katrina or Vicky to 083 396 96 96. Let me catch up for a second before I go to a break because yesterday I mentioned to you No Landers. He's our young snooker player who's in Doha in Qatar at the World Amateur Snooker Championship. Young Noel Landers from East Cork. He won his first match 4-1. On Sunday, I can tell you he won his second match yesterday 4-3. And he's playing again today, which is the last match in the group stage. And by my looking at it, I think he's okay for the next round at this point. But we'll see. Noel Landers from Cork doing very well at the World Amateur Snooker Championships. So he said two wins out of two at the group stages. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, Jacinta... Katrina or Vicky? 
our uh, inspirational Corks 96 FM opinion line inspirational woman of 2022 you've got about nine minutes, eight minutes left to vote on that uh, okay now give your list of names here it's been a spectacular I would say two years for Irish women in, in sport but particularly the, the last while if you think of obviously Katie Taylor Kelly Harrington at the Olympics, Rachel Blackmore at the Grand National and many, many more race meets, Leona Maguire at the golf, Ellen Keane swimming at the Paralympics, Amy Hunter, cricketer, a huge achievement by her, Katie McCabe, of course, massive achievements on soccer and, and, and the whole soccer team doing so well. Rosa Walsh here in Cork, a brilliant, brilliant martial artist I had the pleasure of presenting Rosa with an award a number of years ago, so I keep I keep in touch with her career now. Afric Kyo, Emer Lam, Fiona Morta, Emily Hegarty in rowing, and Cork's own Sunita Paspuri in rowing. And of course, people like Sonia O'Sullivan and Dervil O'Rourke, and a whole load of track and field athletes. That list way too long to go into. They're all hugely successful women in sport. The Cork Sports Partnership has now teamed up with a number of groups nationally to provide a week of events um, for women and girls of all ages and all levels of ability who who would aspire, I think, uh, Claire Hurley and look up to those women. Uh, Claire is Programs Manager of the Cork Sports Partnership. Hi, Claire. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. That's some Thank list you. of achievers I just read out, isn't it? It is. It's, it's huge. So we're very proud to have an awful lot of fantastic female athletes here in Cork. So yeah, it's great the way mm. that you listed them out there. It's great. So, so what have we got happening for the week then? Yeah, so just, just off the, the, the massive achievements of our, our local athletes, I suppose Women in Sport Week is really about celebrating that, but also celebrating, I suppose, volunteers and coaches and participation in general across sport and physical activity um, in, in Ireland. And I suppose we've lined up a few taster sessions. Um, we have a webinar with Sunita, as you mentioned earlier, just to try and highlight, I suppose, a number of those activities and, and those people that are, I suppose, every day in a voluntary capacity as well. Um, supporting people to participate, particularly women and girls, in, in sport and physical activity. Mm. We, we've seen over the years, you know, young boys get into sport when they're three, four, five years of age and they keep it going. A lot of young girls get into sport, but they drop it. And there's been a lot of focus on in the last couple of years, keeping them at it. The, the inspiration provided like, like people like Katie and Kelly and, you know, Sunita <laughs> and others and Rosa... They're keeping them in it. They are, they are, and I suppose it's 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 when you see them performing, and I suppose it's when you see them achieving. You know that does help in terms of those young girls that that are tuning in and that are following or or maybe even participating in the sport. But it's also the other side of of their their or their careers, um, in terms of being involved in their local communities and doing other different activities outside of their sport that I think is also an inspiration um, and, and some of those athletes you would have mentioned as well are, are heavily involved in their community um, and giving back to their communities as well. So I do think that helps in terms of, I suppose, identifying with those athletes and with those coaches and with those um, women participating that, that encourages girls to, to keep participating, I suppose. Mm. If they're, you know, if they're not, they don't see themselves as being as, as good as the, the leading athlete but I suppose in other ways they can they can follow their athlete or they can I suppose get involved in their local community as well Yeah Now where can people get details of, of the events for your week and, and how can they get and, and go and take part in one? 
Yeah, so like whatever it is, if it's, if it's a taster in cycling, if it's boxing, if it's karate. Um, as I said, we have a webinar with Sunita tomorrow evening as well. Um, we have soccer taster sessions. So taekwondo, it's endless. So corksports.ie um, and you'll see the link for Women in Sport Week. There's a full schedule there. They're all free. Um, you just have to pre-register for any of the activities. And I suppose we're just encouraging anyone that has an interest in trying out for a sport, whether it is something that's that's been played by a local athlete or whether it's something you've always wanted to, to get involved in. So visit the website and, and check out the schedule and if you're up for trying something new um, as part of Women in Sport Week, then just, just register your details and we'll be in touch with you then regarding the, the times and the dates and stuff like All that. Right. Claire, good luck with it. And I hope you have a very successful week. Claire Hurley, Programs Manager of Cork's Sports Partnership. Straight away, you see, I do a list and I sat down this morning and I wrote out that list with great, great care to try to cover everything. And particularly, I thought, for example, of Rosa, um, who I was only watching a video of one of her recent fights the other night on, on Instagram. And I thought of Amy, uh, who, whose cricket achievement was fabulous the other night. And I'm thinking to myself, right, I've got a good long list there. But no, straight away, don't forget Aoife Griffin, 17-year-old motorcycle racer who won the Moto1 Championship in her very first year of racing. See? Another great female sports player. We are, we are just, we have an abundance of riches in female sport at the moment and a good time to celebrate it is International Women's Day. We're doing the calculations, right, and I'm doing my sums here on a bit of paper and I'll let you know who it is before we go at 12. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. We have it done. We have a winner, a very clear winner, and I'll give it to you before 12. But before we do that, uh, let me talk to Glenn Corton from Social Entrepreneurs Ireland because there's lots of people out there with great ideas uh, and there's an encouragement out there to be the change you seek. Bring that idea to Social Entrepreneurs Ireland to see what could be done and there might be funding there. Glenn, good morning to you. Morning PJ, how are you? What is Social Entrepreneurs Ireland? Social Entrepreneurs Ireland is a a kind of community-based organisation but it's privately funded and what they do is they take normal people. Uh, There's no skill set that they look for. But what those normal people have is a passion to change things, change problems that they see around them. And these normal people apply for Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. And then Social Entrepreneurs Ireland provides the training and the support for them to set up solutions to their perceived problems. Now, there's money there to help with the idea. There is, yeah. I did their Ideas Academy back at the onset of covid uh, with my idea of Vampire Cup and they put me through the Ideas Academy which is like an incubator program but then I had the opportunity to pitch for funding at the end and I actually got the funding. This is something that I didn't expect but it, this was the first element of somebody believing in the solution that I was creating and it definitely encouraged me to keep going to this point anyway. And what's Vampire Cup? Vampire Cup is a national blood donor recruitment strategy and it's specifically targeted at young people to get them donating blood at a young age. And it takes the form of an intervarsity competition between all the colleges in Ireland to see who can donate the most blood, become the bloodiest college and win the Vampire Cup. (laughs) 
I'm laughing at its simplicity and its genius because we all know how competitive the universities are in anything from rugby to snooker to trampolining to chess, you name it. So now you want them to compete for the number of blood donors. That's a genius idea. Peter, this is the bloodiest competition in Ireland and there's a good cause at the end of it. Well, no, there's one more. Legalised blood sport, that's an election count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, that's a fabulous idea, and and that and you came with that. You came forward with that idea. You put it to social entrepreneurs Ireland. They said, you know what, we like that, and then they fund you and they mentor you. But not only did they say they like that, it's all about the person as well. And like, like I don't have a, a unique skill set to set this up, but the fact of the matter is, I am the person setting it up. I'm the person that's taking that risk, and they invest in you as much as they invest in your idea. It's fabulous. It's great. Uh, you also have another string to your bow, and we we were only <laughs> down in the vaccination centre in City Hall at the weekend as they closed after eleven months. But the booking system, like that, was an now it was specifically for CIT. You developed the booking system for the vaccinations. You're a, you're a head full of ideas, young man. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I did. On the onset of COVID was when I set up Vampire Cup, but I suppose when COVID hit, I was withdrawn from placement, felt a bit useless. There's people in the hospital that I knew working uh, to the bone, trying to help the kind of pandemic effort. But I was back in my bedroom on my computer doing effectively nothing. So I decided to kind of push the resources that I had together to create solutions to that. So I learned a bit about coding, learned a bit about kind of these online booking systems and started working with a, a GP and eventually we piloted this booking system using a drive-through flu vaccine clinic. Mm. And that's involved the army and everything that was in Middleton. And that went really well. Yeah, Dr. Mike's so place, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So we used that system to you to facilitate the booking system in CIT. And we had over 15,000 vaccines delivered, over 60 students working there. And it was fantastic. Yeah, and well done. And if anyone's got an idea... They go to Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. Glenn Corton, good to get you on, if even for a brief conversation, creator of the Vampire Cup. That's genius. Genius. All right, we had a big response, as you would expect. And with 25% of the vote, Jacinta Carroll Quinn. Big turnout for Jacinta. With 27% of the vote, Vicky Phelan. But the runaway winner... Uh, and the named as the Corks 96 FM opinion line inspirational woman of 2022. Who else with 48% of the vote? Who else but Katrina Toomey? We had some fabulous stories of, of mammies and grannies and aunties and sisters and cousins. But Katrina got the most vote, most votes. Best of luck to Katrina and the team as they head away for Poland. And we're heading out the gap. We'll see you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.